You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Vigle Takle, the CEO at Simployer. Many companies fail to focus on the potential that sits within their own employees. There's many things that are extremely important in my view. I think, first of all, you need to have a very clear direction and a strong purpose in the company. All right, we are back here with another episode of the SAS Nordic podcast. I hope that you are fine and that you are enjoying the summer. Uh, We are doing that right, Daniel. It's a little bit slower pace on things, but there is a lot of fun stuff to come in the fall as well. There is, there is. And uh, actually, I've been trying to uh, spend a lot more mind space around family, kids, and like... I never thought I'd say it, but we're into biking. The entire family is like into biking now. Like not biking for exercising, but my youngest boy, or I only have one boy. That sounds crazy. My my, my boy, five years, love biking, which has forced us all to bike a lot. All right. Where where are you going? Absolutely nowhere. So we go to the park (laughs) to buy ice cream. We, We bike around the neighborhood and do a pit stop at, you know, one playground and then to the other playground. It's just the other day, I think, my five-year-old bike 20 kilometers all right like across the full day it's like crazy wow yeah he, he slept like wow so my wife and i were like wow we're gonna just let Teo bike a lot because it makes evenings much nicer for us so it's the journey that uh, makes meaning <laughs> yeah exactly and i think talking about journeys uh, i think one of the exciting things of being Working in the SaaS industry is that you get to be a part of uh, some exciting journeys, um, both you know with the company expanding internationally, but also you as a professional. And I think that's that's one of the things that brings us together that we are all on these journeys uh, that are very exciting, and sometimes they go super fast. Yes. And in these journeys, it's really important that you have staff that you know. Yeah, that feels well, and also that you get the full potential out of that staff. Right, that they're motivated. Absolutely, and that's actually the topic of this episode, so let's get there. Let's do it. Today, we are really happy to have Viglek Takle, the CEO at Simployer, here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So welcome, Viglek. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. That's a pretty unusual name. So, uh, what's the what's the history of it? Well, you have to ask my parents, but uh, <laughs> it's it's an old Viking name, and uh, according to my mom, it means strong as a rock. Oh, uh, I haven't dared to look it up on the internet because I might be disappointed. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, live with that uh, dream. All right, everybody now listening to this podcast is going to the internet, it's like googling Vigle. Exactly, Thomas. Do you do you, do you know Thomas what your name stands for? Uh, yeah, I know. Either the twin or the one in doubt. It's a biblical name. So I'm, you know, questioning everything. That sounds about right. Yeah. You must have heard some really fun pronunciations of your name over the years. So could you share a, a fun one? I've been uh, so many different uh, variations. Like I've been in the US uh, doing a lot of business in Asia as well. It's. Uh, uh, like I can't remember it's a- everything from uh, like in the US it uh, yeah I was uh, just gone under name V V Mr. V <laughs> Mr. V yeah and then of course that's a little bit weird as well right so uh, <laughs> yeah you have to tell them next time that you want to go uh, under the name The Rock The Rock that's a good one I'll keep a note of that one that's very good <laughs> The Rock or, or Mr. V or, or Viglek for the ones that don't know you who are you uh well big question but uh but uh yeah big like 43 years old live in oslo uh together with wife and, and two kids uh quite a traditional norwegian outdoor family i would say so we spend a lot of times outdoor hiking in the mountains uh more on the professional side i spent the last 10 years working in various SaaS companies uh high growth uh companies in in different management positions I've uh, been part of uh, two IPOs, uh, focused a lot on uh, international growth, 
and um, spent also a few years uh, as a management consultant before I uh, joined the, the sauce side of the business and, and uh, basically never looked back. Yeah. All right. What's the life of a management consultant? Like, you know, I've always been like, I mean this to all the management consultants I had to deal with and like you lovely people, but I never understood like, what, what is the life of a management consultant be- besides asking questions? Besides sending invoices. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, the most important part, obviously, but uh, no, it's long days. Uh, it's long days. Uh, it's also a lot of fun. You're working with really talented people. But of course, it's a bit, uh, in my case, at least, I thought it was a bit repetitive at the end because you are meeting new clients you, you know what you're going to do. You have the final presentation almost 50% ready from the previous client. So it's just to uh, find and replace some names and some new, uh, <laughs> some new findings from the numbers. And then uh, you go about to the next client. So, but it was a good uh, six years, I think, I spent as a management consultant. But um, that was enough for me at least. Right, right. And now you're no longer a management consultant. You're the CEO of Simployer. Tell us a little bit about Simployer. Like, what do you guys do? Well, Simplor is, uh, I would say, one of the leading HRM uh, system providers in Scandinavia. Uh, we have uh, roughly 12,000 customers. Um, we offer quite a comprehensive solution, um, basically, that simplifies employee management and fosters uh, talent development. And embedded uh, in this solution, we also have uh, valuable knowledge services uh, that is embedded into the, uh, into the flow of work. So uh, basically, we, we enable our customers to streamline their uh, HR operation and, and we help them to inspire, engage, manage and develop their employees. All right. And who, who are you selling this solution to? What's your ideal customer? So we're focusing on the SMB market. Uh, I would say sweet spot customers somewhere around uh, 100 to 1,000 uh, employees. Typically, an ideal customer would be uh, the ones with uh, a small HR department that is uh, overworked. Uh, and that's most of them, in, in my experience. <laughs> uh, basically, when they have too much on their plate and they need someone to help them simplify, make the HR processes more effective, and also be able to engage the entire organization around uh, talent development, people development. All right. So is there any particular verticals or is the private to public sector or what can you say about that? No, we're uh, industry agnostic. So we are uh, across all industries, uh, predominantly private, very little public. Uh, okay. All right. <clears throat> Let's put some numbers on, on, on this here just so, so we get things in perspective. What can you share with us in terms of what your current ARR is in euros? And how fast you guys are growing year over year? You had to ask in euros, right? Yes. Because the Norwegian kroner is... Uh, it is like the Swedish. <laughs> it is like the Swedish. It's having a tough time. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, we are... Uh, it used to be 50 million euros in ARR. Yeah. Uh, but uh, most of our revenue, obviously, is in uh, NOC, Norwegian kroners and Swedish kroners. Yeah. So uh, with the current... Uh, dip in, in evaluation on the on the currency side it's a little bit low that yeah. below that yeah yeah actually it's, it's on a side note interesting question like how do you report this back to the whomever is interested in this to your investors owners and so on because it might be that in a year or two suddenly you have an uplift in 10 20 percent in your uh, arr just because of uh, currency yeah fluctuations no we that's a good question i think if you look to the public companies now it's everyone is uh, norwegian companies are reporting growth and uh, the underlying growth is all currency because they're export businesses but <laughs> but now we we are reporting fx on the separate line so you can see from all the various line how much is affected by fx uh, and for us it, it's actually has some impact as we have employees uh, quite a bit of employees outside the nordic countries as well right right and if we take away the the currency fluctuations, like you know, what what has your growth rate been year over year here? Uh, we've had a steady double digit growth uh, or double digit CAGR over the last five years period. So it's it's uh, a very solid um, growth trajectory, I would say. Yeah, and are you guys also profitable? Yeah, yeah, well, we are. <laughs> so, uh, congratulations! Not many are. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks. No, I think we're we're way beyond that uh, critical uh, mass. I would say so. Uh, we are a 
running around 15 to 20% EBITDA margin on, on, on the business we have. Okay, perfect. And you already touched upon, you know, you have all these customers, but h- how many people do you have in the organization uh, in total? Full-time employees. We have roughly 350 employees. So predominantly in uh, Norway and Sweden, but we also have a fairly large development office in Poland, which I just came back from late uh, last night. Um, So 50 developers in Poland as well. Okay. And uh, I'm curious, like you're profitable now, but how have you been financing uh, this journey so far? Have you raised external capital in the past? If so, by whom, how much? You know, this this company was founded uh, all the way back to 1985, uh, and it's been bootstrapped. Uh, and one guy started the company, never raised any capital, uh, sold it to Fed, who is the current majority owner, uh, back in 2020. Um, so zero money is raised, basically. <laughs> it's all been uh, organic growth uh, and uh, a very impressive growth journey. Uh, and and it is. The founders or the originators are still the main shareholders? No. So it's uh, Fad, the Norwegian family office, who is uh, the majority owner now. And then uh, the founders have a minority uh, position. And then we also have employees and management who has yeah, roughly 5% uh, equity. Right. How big of a stake do you have? Okay. So, so, so that was my question. Since this is a company that's been around for a while... It can't be so easy to get in and, and get uh, a chunk of it as a new employee or as a new CEO. Uh, well, I think Fad uh, is a professional owner, uh, and I think uh, they see the value of uh, getting equity both to employees and management. So we have an uh, employee share uh, purchase agreement where everyone can buy shares, um, somewhat at a discounted rate. Um, and then, uh, yeah. It's up to each individual to, to see how much they're willing. Obviously, it's capped. You can't go in and, and acquire the company uh, if you had the cash for it. But, <laughs> but uh, it's been uh, quite a, or a very good uh, offer, I would say, from uh, the owners. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Just if we pause for a second, just out of curiosity, did you say 15 million or 50? Five zero. Five zero. Yeah, okay. 50. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Okay, uh, you mentioned that uh, the staff, they all had a chance to um, to sort of get some ownership in the company. Um, but um, what other ways is there to sort of, um, yeah, make them reach their full potential? What, what can you do in, in order to, yeah, make everyone their best? selves yeah exactly let's dig into it over the next 20 minutes here like how do we make the most out of our staff and maximize their potential yeah that's a very good question i think uh, something that's very near to me as well because i think many companies fail to focus on the potential that sits within their own uh, employees Um, and, and how do you do it well um there's many things that are extremely important in my view. I think, first of all, you need to have a very clear direction and a strong purpose in the company. Uh, and that's something that is easy to say, right? You, uh, you go out and say, we are doing this. You show the slide on the strategic yearly kickoff. Uh, everyone is happy. But but that's not enough, right? Uh, you, you need, if you want to have a clear direction, that's something that you need to repeat over and over and over again. Uh, and also the same with the strong purpose. Uh, and it's not only the top management that needs to go around and, and talk about vision and purpose. It needs to be embedded into the daily operation, manager, employees, etc. So I think that's one of the key things is working on direction and purpose continuously in an organization. And then also very often when you are, at least my experience, and I've been part of it many times before, you you have these bold ambitions uh, five years ahead. And for most people, uh, most employees, they see this bold ambition, but they are standing in daily operation with the pile of shit up to their neck, right? So, so they don't see like it's not realistic. So you have to build that bridge to see that, okay, if you want to be... Uh, market leader in the world global market leader in five years from now what type of proof points do we need to get there in the next six months in the next year and then you need to show those type of proof points 
so that people start to believe in that direction. I think that's one of the key things that uh, for me is uh, very important if you want to get people behind you pulling in the same direction and, and, and get that potential that sits there. All right. So, so one thing here is sort of to chunk it down a little bit so it comes closer to your everyday work. Is there, is there other things, you know, to, um, to get the direction part of the DNA of the company and the leaders and so on that you could share? Yeah, I think leaders are extremely important into this. Um, we talk a lot about the importance of top management, but it's actually the middle management who is the key, the most important part uh, of the organization. Uh, I think uh, in general, uh, most companies fail that they promote good doers and not good people managers. Mm. And it is a very big difference. Uh, I would say that uh, especially now you're seeing the new generation coming in. Historically, everyone was looking to the managers for the answer. So you said, okay, I have this problem. What do you think I should do? The manager said, yeah, you need to do this. And then you went back to your desk and executed. Right. I don't, that type of work doesn't fit the market that we're in, a very dynamic market, constantly changing. You're getting a lot of smart people coming in, young people with competence that the older generation don't have. So, so you need to empower them. You need a different type of leadership skills uh, to get get that uh, full potential out of, of the employees. Hmm. Uh, and that's, that's not something you're born with. That needs to be developed. It needs to be maintained. Uh, and focusing on that skill set, investing in your leaders, um, yeah, extremely important in my view. And looking at that, have you had to sort of develop people internally that you think has potential for leadership, or is this something that you generally need to find new talent to to fill those positions? No, we are we are uh, in support. We're investing a lot in our managers, so we are having. Um, leadership labs so two days workshop uh, several times a year where we meet up physically and we have external speakers like three weeks ago we had Mark Stickhorn um, who led us through uh, design thinking and how we can use that into our daily work um, we also have master classes where and this is all the people managers in, in employer no exception everyone needs to go through this they also need to go through digital masterclasses where we are touching on various topics around, let's say, feedback culture. This is the way we want you to do run feedback with your uh, employees, etc. Uh, and then we also have a separate uh, management training course for all high talent managers. So young managers that are recently taking the management position that goes through this yearly program where we're focusing a lot on the basic leadership skills. All right. So how do you determine if someone has the potential to be a good leader? Yeah, that's a good question. But I think there's certain skill set that uh, are becoming more and more important uh, as a good leader, uh, I would say. Uh, you always had the communication skills, super important. Uh, the fact that you need uh, people with empathy that sees people. Uh, I think that's probably one of the new skill set that uh, you didn't see in the, the leaders uh, 30, 40 years ago, uh, where it was a bit rougher, uh, more direct. Now it's more about seeing the people and facilitating uh, more of a challenging role, right? Not coming with the answers, uh, not necessarily delegating micro task, but, but delegating responsibility and authority. Uh, so you, you need that person that uh, eludes trust and can build that both ways as well. And how do you see it? Well, it's I, I don't have the formula for that. I think <laughs> uh, it's not like you're born with it either. Like uh, this is skill set that you can't train. Mm. Yeah. But it, it requires an investment. Yeah. Both from the company and the employee itself, right? Definitely. I think it's such an important topic and... And this is just from my perspective, but I think it's somehow even more critical to get it right when you're a smaller organization. Uh, sometimes I look back at this, and when I had a real job, that's where Thomas and I met, 
when I left, I think that the, the revenue team was 20, 22 people, something like that. But it went from, you know, from five to 10 and so on. I always used to say in, in our meetings that, you know, when we're 10, if one of us, for whatever reason, doesn't reach his full potential, you know, that's, you know, 10% of this workforce is not being maximized. If it's suddenly two or three, it's a big issue. You know, and it doesn't just have to be the leaders. And we, we had different programs for all types of levels, in, in all honesty, with uh, mixed success. So I'm curious from, from your perspective like, and, and with your middle manager, how do they make sure that their small teams of 5, 10, 15 people, that those individuals reach their full potential, that the SDR reaches their full potential, that the, you know, the new marketeer reaches their full potential? How do you do that? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Again, I shouldn't uh, proclaim that I have all the answers here, but yes, I can tell please. you what we are doing at least. Uh, so I think for us, uh, obviously, we we have uh, all the teams have various performance metrics that you can show progress, right? Uh, in addition to that, uh, we also track uh, employee engagement, uh, satisfaction, well-being, which is, uh, in our view and my view as well, like. It's a clear uh, connection, uh, also backed up by a lot of scientific reports. It's a clear connection between employee engagement, satisfaction, and performance. Mm. So, and you need that holistic view. I think for us, it's natural that we report on uh, financial numbers every month, uh, and you make measures. Uh, you see certain numbers, cost is going up. Okay, then it's an action that uh, that type of cost we might take down marketing costs, we might do this, right? Similar thing, we are measuring uh, customer satisfaction and best score every month. It comes up tons of actions. Okay, we see that we have detractors in that segment, what we're going to do about it. And exactly the same way when it comes to employee engagement and management. So you get that holistic view and then you're making actions that it's, it's all tied together. So if you're just looking at one thing, if you're just looking at an operational metric, Sure, I could get an SDR team to do double the meeting bookings, mm. but how many would be left after a month, after two months, right? Yeah. So you need to have that uh, balanced view on things. Uh, and that's what we're doing. So we're measuring everything and it's uh, making balanced decisions based on, on various perspectives. All right. So if we go beyond the, the metrics and the KPIs and, you know, having clear direction, what else is there when it comes to, you know, getting your staff to reach their full potential? Well, I think a uh, super important uh, part is around uh, delegating, uh, empowering uh, your team, uh, create autonomous team. Uh, that is extremely important. It's so easy to say. Uh, everyone talks about it. I've been part of it myself. Uh, you, you talk about empowerment, but uh, it's a bit more difficult to do. Uh, but still, like you need to build that trust into the organization where where you let things go. Yeah. Uh, where you actually say, okay, but what do you think we should do about it when you when someone comes up to you with a problem, right? Uh, instead of trying necessarily to come up with a solution. Hmm. You can flip it around and say, okay, what type of solutions do you uh, suggest? Two, three alternatives. What do you think we should do? And it must be allowed to do some errors, right? It doesn't have to be exactly what the manager thought that you should do. Exactly. Exactly. So you need to build that culture where failure is actually a good thing because you're, you're learning something, right? You're always pushing them up. You're trying out new stuff. Uh, if you always go for the safe things then uh, at least if you have a bold ambition, you're never going to make it because you're just playing it safe. So, so you need to build that culture. People need to be allowed to try. Uh, and the same way you celebrate success, it's you should almost celebrate failure as well. You don't need to celebrate it necessarily, but at least make sure that the, you do lessons learned on it. Yeah, yeah you, you don't need to celebrate a failure, but but taking action, right? And trying out new things and, and iterate and, and so, exactly. so, yeah. Exactly. I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, based also from the real world and some of our experience and what we also hear from other founders and CEOs that maybe are a little bit earlier in their journey. <clears throat> what is your take on uh, progression or career plans? We see with the new generation, many of them are like, you know, straight out of college, they get their first, let's say, you know, entry sales job. And then there's an expectation that what is your plan for me 
in 12 months, in 24 months. And sometimes smaller organizations are struggling to genuinely present this. Like, so how do you combat this? Like, I don't know what I can offer you because we're 11 people right now and saying that you're going to be X might be true or might, might, might not be true in 12 months. No, I think, uh, first of all, having this type of plans uh, is super important. We started a discussion around how do you get the full potential out of people. Uh, we talked a little bit about leaders being important. Of course, traditionally, leaders has been the only development path, right, for, for many companies. You do a good job, you become a leader. Right. But but you can be an excellent uh, doer, yes. but you don't. You're not necessarily leadership material, yeah. but then you need to create a career path. Okay, if you excel in a, let's say, technical or a specialized uh, function, then you need to build a career path there as well, right? So you, you have that, um, uh, what can I say, a transparency into that I can develop here as a professional uh, as well. Uh, and of course, the smaller you are, I can, I can see it's, the more difficult it is to have all of this yeah. in place. I've been part of a startup myself, so I know the only thing you can sell is that the vision that we're going to grow. And as you grow, there will always be new opportunities, right? Uh, but uh, when you reach a certain size, this becomes extremely important, both, I think, in terms of recruiting people, mm -hmm. but uh, obviously retaining. Yeah. Extremely important. Yeah. I 100% agree. And I think the challenge is, you know, to getting it right from the beginning. But I think it's like you said, my experience is that you need to show people that you can evolve into a specialist role. Yes. Or you can evolve to be a leader of a function or a team and so on. And then you, you need to follow that program to get into that. And you know, nothing is written in stone. But as long as you, you follow that track, you will eventually get there. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and you should be allowed to, to jump between the plants as well, right? It might be that you see that, okay, I thought I was motivated for a uh, people manager role. Now I'm getting uh, just nagging the entire day on various employees. <laughs> I would rather be a specialist. Okay, fine. Yeah. Then you're allowed to, to jump ship and, and move to a different path. And that's uh, that's fine. Yeah. PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. My News Desk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. My News Desk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. So you have mentioned when we talked before that it it uh, it needs to be fun to go to work. And here it can also be a difference in between a small company and a big company. Because in a small company, you're usually a family, you do a lot of social things together, and sort of that might come very natural. How do you do this in a company like you're, you're 350 people now? So how do you keep it fun to go to work? And I would say we're still a small company when it's 350, but, but, but uh, <laughs> okay. I, know, I know what you mean. We're not, uh, not a startup. But then, uh, Who are you comparing yourself to then? <laughs> the oil companies in Norway. <laughs> <laughs> That's the benchmark. It's Equinor. Everything is benchmarked against Equinor. Yeah. Uh, no, how do, how do we keep it fun? Yeah, I think, uh, good question again. Um, that is an extremely important part uh, for us. It's uh, We have a strategy one page. Uh, strategic priority number one is uh, build an amazing workplace and have fun at work. So, so we have a lot of focus on it. Uh, leaders play an important part, obviously, for facilitating it. But also, we put a lot of responsibility on the employees and the culture. Mm. So, uh, of course, you can build a very strong performance culture, but at the same time, you're allowed to make mistakes. You have breakouts where you can actually do other stuff uh, you do social events with social groups. And I think it's it's the sum of everything, but it boils down to people. Yeah. Because you need people that uh, greet you when you come into the office, uh, where you have a trust between them, a uh, physiological safety uh, in, in the work environment. Right. Where you have a uh, diverse uh, workplace, inclusive workplace. It's all of these things that... 
it's not a light switch, right? It's it's a focus over a very long time uh, from both employees and, and managers. And I know that you measure a lot. You, you you ask your employees a lot about you know what how they perceive their workplace. So is there anything particular that are appreciated in this area at employer? having fun yeah i think uh, it's all of those minor events like uh, we did the large all hands in january or february beginning of february all employees to oslo two fantastic days two and a half fantastic days uh, really appreciated uh, great feedback from from the employees but most of the people say that it's the smaller things that uh, actually are. Uh, it's the sum of all the small things that they are doing in meeting up for paddle uh, on a Tuesday evening that they're doing frisbee was last week, I think. So it's having these breakouts where they do these type of things um, is, is uh, the sum of it. It's the sum of the small things that, that matters. Mm. Uh, and I think that's sometimes forgotten because you, you tend to focus on Okay, let's uh, have this large LinkedIn post on this cool uh, thing we did with the rib trip in the Norwegian fjord and all of that. But yeah. and that's great. It's it's important to build relationships. Don't get me wrong, but but you build culture every day. Yeah. So do you have more examples of these small things? So feed us uh, on on having fun at work. Yeah. No, it could be we we have like this old arcade gaming machine in in our headquarter. Now we're talking. So yeah. <laughs> uh, just uh, having a breakout, uh, funny story actually. But uh, I found this game uh, that I played when I was young. This baseball game, you know, this old arcade mm-hmm. baseball game, mm. uh, and uh, I thought it was really fun. And then I played it for maybe two minutes. Then this uh, tech guy came by. And then uh, the next day, I played it also for two minutes. He came by again. <laughs> and that happened four days in a row where I only two minutes in front of that machine. And then suddenly said, like, are you the CEO or are you just playing the <laughs> baseball machine the entire day? So so I think he had the wrong impression of uh, how, how I spend my time uh, at work. But um, <laughs> that, that's another example. And uh, yeah, But it sets the culture a little bit if the CEO shows that. I'm the CEO and I will take the time to decompress a little bit and have some fun. Then the engineer also feels that he or she can do the same. Yeah. yeah it takes me back to the meetup we did at Supermetrics where Mikael, the CEO, he got this basketball machine where you shoot basketballs all the time. And uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, I think that was some of the, the attractions at that office. I have a couple of questions actually here, like, and we're not going to let you off the hook this easy. So, um, one 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 concept that many companies have, and I've never necessarily seen it myself. And it's I have worked for five companies, six companies, so like it's not a empirical study here. But many companies have this development, personal development fund, where at the beginning of the year, their leaders or HR goes out and say, "We dedicate uh, X amount of thousand of euros per individual. You can go and evolve yourself." And I'm going to use myself as a horrible example here. Uh, always working working for scale ups. You're so busy, you don't tend to use it, leverage it. And then like we're coming up to the end of the year. It's like, oh yeah, you have actually 2000 euros. You can use it for something. And then I had two guys that out of these 20 that made something out of it. One was like, "Uh, I'll brush up my English skills. I'll take an English lesson. Fine, let's do it. And another one did something on uh, presentation skills, like all useful and stuff. But it wasn't fully structured. Like are those programs just for show? Or is there a way to actually get something out of it? I think uh, the challenge is exactly what you say, even in large companies as well. That's my impression. Like you have these type of pots and then um, you don't get prioritized time to do it, right? So you you never have time because there's always things that need attention. So I think it's... Maybe not for show. Obviously, it's responsibility on employees uh, to to take time off. But for it to work, you need to prioritize time. Right. And that needs to come from management. Management needs to say that this is important. Uh, You need these two days. You need to do something different, right? So, uh, but I I don't think it's any right or wrong here. Uh, We have... uh, Internally, uh, with us, we have this uh, pot for each employee. Yep. Uh, or not dedicated to each employee, but a pot per employee is dedicated to a department manager, a team lead. 
and then the team can decide how they're actually going to use it, right? Uh, but last year it was, yeah, maybe fifty percent, yeah. right? So, so it's again, it's it's focus, I would say, and and uh, also setting the tone that this is important. We we want you, and we we almost require you to do some uh, development on your own as well. That makes a lot of sense. I have another question I wanted to ask you, and this, you know, you might have a bunch of data on it, or maybe from your own business. It might be a little bit provocative. Because this is my personal opinion here. Uh, it is, like you said, the sum of all things define for an employee if this is the right workplace for me. You know, my, my colleagues, my title, my responsibility here, the tasks I do, the money I, I get paid, and so on. But are they truly carrying the same weight? So my question is essentially, which of the elements are the most critical one for certain type of employees. Like, you know, if the, if I have fun, if I like my colleagues, my, I like my responsibility, but the pay is, you know, in pure English here, shit, I probably will leave. Uh, if the pay is fantastic, but I'm so-so about my tasks, will I stay? Like, what weighs more here? That's a, that's a big question, Daniel. Uh, but I think we... we we did the survey last year uh, where we surveyed people who had uh, switched jobs over the last year and asked them why did they why did they leave the previous employer yeah. and uh, almost 25% named their manager as the main reason why they left mm. uh, I think it was uh, one out of uh, six maybe I mentioned salary yeah uh, and the remaining was a lot to do with uh, work environment stress so yeah work-life balance well-being at the workplace so it's it's primarily soft values that uh, seem to be uh, the most important uh, factor for employees yeah. uh, and salary is important but it more hygiene and that i think was somewhat forgotten during pandemic where you had this salary race exactly uh, where companies are just yeah, paying uh, above each other. We had this bidding race where where <laughs> salaries just went up, and uh, and you lost focus on what really matters. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and going to myself, I know that I would have quit a previous company if they took away the table tennis. Um, <laughs> There's yeah. actually a fun story there. Uh, I don't know, Thomas, if you remember. So like. Uh, uh, we hired some new, we were growing really fast and got m more floors in the building. And with that came some design agency that we were about to design the new office space and how we're going to sit and how the common areas was. And Thomas and I, we were in this committee uh, representing certain functions of the team. But that's how you found out, Thomas, when they show us the floor plans. And in one of the floor plans, they were like, there is no table tennis anymore. What? <laughs> and that's why we started SAS Nordic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a good one. No, but we couldn't have it that way. But uh, I mean, what other mistakes uh, have you seen companies do when it comes to, you know, making their staff happy and reaching their full potential? Now, mistakes uh, should be careful of outing others what type of mistakes they're doing because everyone is doing mistakes, right? But, but, but I think... You don't need to name no, no. No. no but I think uh, under investing in, in uh, leaders uh, very common uh, been part of it myself uh, not uh, focusing on empowerment uh, in practice talk about it fine but, but that needs to be embedded into the culture into the daily work and that's that's a journey and that doesn't happen overnight it's not like you can just wake up in the morning and say okay the, today we're going to empower the organization yeah no because it's a huge shift if you've been running a very structured uh, hierarchical business then you don't do that overnight it probably needs two to three years to actually shift that culture right uh, so uh, a little bit uh, not fully grasping the how much work it is to do those type of transitions mm. and then i think many many talk about things <laughs> but they don't measure it and follow it up okay yeah that's a, the probably the most common mistake amen best intentions but it's only talk yeah we have seen ourselves uh, and i think it's because it's really difficult to handle and i've probably been part of the problem myself and we've heard it from others as well that as you're growing one of the biggest challenge, one of the biggest demotivators uh, 
for people not sitting in HQ is that they don't feel as integrated as the people sitting in HQ. You have your Dutch colleagues or American colleagues, and they always feel like, uh, you know, I know on the PowerPoint in the town halls, they say we're all the same, but we're really second tier. Like, I don't know if that's your experience, but like, do you have any advice in how to tackle that? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's very common. And uh, also, since we talked about mistakes, uh, probably also one of the most common mistakes out there it's around communication yeah and uh, underestimating the need for communication and the more distributed you are the more you need to communicate uh, especially now that we're into a hybrid workplace where people are at the office maybe two three uh, days a week right even more important to communicate and then um in my view, it's a misconception that communication is all about town halls and monthly uh, newsletters. Obviously, it's important communication from, from uh, top management. But again, communication happens every day. So what type of tools are you using to facilitate that type of communication? What type of culture are you building to have a transparent communication yeah. where you are actually allowed to talk about mistakes and that's not something that is uh, you get a lot of thumbs down on. It's it's being celebrated. Okay, thanks for sharing. I won't do the same mistake myself. So, but I think that's not only when you're distributed away from HQ because the new work environment, everyone is a bit away from HQ. Yeah, I think exactly. For us, we have a hybrid workplace policy. Uh, a lot of people are staying at home several days a week. Uh, so. So, again, communication is just becoming more and more important. Yeah, and I've seen myself, like, some small things, not that I sit on the answers, uh, but some minor changes can have a big effect. For example, if you have uh, colleagues across multiple time zones, maybe you need to alter the times for your town hall, so it's not always it's perfect fit for the Norwegians, but maybe sometimes the Norwegians need to be up, you know, rather late because it fits the Americans. So making those small changes, I've seen has worked really well. And one thing that I would have never thought of myself was uh, at a company, it actually came from a salesperson that said, you know, <clears throat> we always say, Daniel, that uh, we are this global company, but everything feels Swedish. You know, we're celebrating midsummer, we're doing this and stuff. Why don't we celebrate uh, the Dutch uh, Queen's Day? Why don't we celebrate St. Patrick's Day? So we started doing small things like that. That really felt everybody like, okay, we're, we all have an equal stake. And I think one thing that for the last company we worked with that made a huge difference was the CEO decided to do the town halls and big announcements from different offices. So it wasn't always from the Swedish headquarters. Sometimes it was from the US one sometimes. And that made people feel like it's an equal playing field. Yeah. Extremely important. I think, again, you get these silos in organization. It might be departments. It might be regional uh, offices, what have you, right? Yeah. Super important. Always focus, to break, focus on breaking those down because there's nothing productive coming out of silos uh, anymore. No. So, Symployer has been around for almost 40 years. So, what's in the future for the next 40 years for, for you guys? Well, we're moving away from a Scandinavian focus. Uh, or primarily focusing on the Scandinavian market to a European market. So that's the main shift right now. Uh, We're going to expand, grow, uh, ambition of uh, doubling our size uh, over the next uh, three to four years, Uh, both organically, so entering into new geos. Uh, We started Denmark uh, last year, so geo three well underway. Uh, and uh, GO4 and 5 is in currently in planning mode. And then, of course, also acquisitions, uh, which we are ramping up quite a bit on uh, as we speak. Okay. So uh, growth is, I think, name of the game when you, when you look uh, five years ahead. So an old company, but a hungry company. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And that's, uh, I must say, I came in a year and a half ago. One of the things that stood out very early it's, was the culture even though it's an old company, it's like if you talk to the people, they're super ambitious. Mm. They want to go out. They want to spread the, the happy message. And that's quite rare for a company that size with that age, I would say. So it's been invested in culture for a very long time. And that really pays off, uh, I think, when when we are about to embark on that journey we are now. Maybe a loaded question then. Like I just 
realize you've been around for so many years. How much of the workforce is renewed? Because it was, you know, a completely different company five, 10 years ago. And some of them might be right. Some of them might not be right for the next journey. I don't have the exact numbers, but uh, we we have this uh, yearly gathering for all new uh, employees, as we call them, uh, employees. Uh, last year, uh, then we we also had the ones uh, during the pandemic, uh, since we weren't allowed to travel. So that was roughly a hundred people. Okay, wow. We also have had quite a bit of nutrition, uh, both uh, healthy and and unhealthy, especially during COVID. Mm. Where, um, where we saw turnover rates that uh, were definitely on an unhealthy uh, level. But I think that was quite common for many companies. Uh, so we have a fantastic community listening to these podcasts. So this is your chance to make a shout out. Is there anything that you're looking for right now or need help with? Growth, international growth. Super excited to, to, uh, to uh, spar with people that are... Uh, in a similar journey and uh, looking to expand into uh, primarily Northern Europe now. So that's uh, very interesting. And then I'd say like, when you're in SaaS, it's always something to talk about, right? Which is, which is why I love you guys and, and your <laughs> podcast, because it's so much common things in the SaaS business, even though you're in a totally different uh, vertical, you might be a totally different uh, software uh, or solution that you're providing, but, but you are facing some of the same problems and the challenges and, and opportunities, right? Absolutely. And uh, on that note, is there someone that you would like us to get on the show where you would be interested in what they can share and uh, yeah, with, with you and the rest of the community? I think there's a, a couple of uh, people, company, I think is interesting. Uh, there's like, you know, Meltwater was one of the very first SaaS companies in the Nordics that has done fantastically well. Yeah. I would love to hear Jörn uh, Lise again, <laughs> former CEO, uh, chairman now, I think, talk about that journey. Um, Do you know him? I don't know him personally, no, but uh, he called me once because we recruited so many people from his uh, company. <laughs> what did he say? No, he was uh, quite uh, annoyed. I think we we had the uh, we had the UK manager, the Norwegian manager, the Swedish manager, and uh, and also one more manager that we recruited within six months. All right. So that was. Um, Understandable, but we were a startup, and and we needed uh, talent, and uh, we knew that Meltwater was uh, really good at developing uh, their employees. Yeah, we'll make sure to say hi from you. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Hopefully, he has forgotten now. Yeah. All right then. Thank you, uh, and uh, thank you for being with us in in this episode. It was really interesting to hear your insights into this uh, area, and um, yeah. See you soon again. Thank you. Take care now. All right, Daniel, what's your takeaways from this episode? Clearly, you know, people are, in my opinion at least, the most important asset of any SaaS company, any organization. And I, I liked how uh, Mr. V, The Rock, Viglek, uh boxed it in a little bit and had these, uh, you know, the four points he had. But I think the one that I can personally relate to a lot is the clear direction. You know, people will have fun, you pay them well, they're excited about their tasks and so on. But if there's uncertainty in the direction where the company is going and why it's going there and how me as an individual tap into that and can relate to that, then you have an issue. So I think it was interesting to hear how they worked, you know, in practice, getting the direction clear and communicating it throughout the ranks on a regular basis. And we could have dug into this a little bit more, but I think that that's a key aspect that I take with me that is that is so important. What about you, Thomas? I would say to invest a lot in the leaders and make sure that the ones that are getting into leadership positions, that they actually, you know, are not just top performers in their, in their field, they are also well-suited or well-equipped to take that part. And, and as he mentioned, there are certain things that that significates a, a good leader, such as empathy, such as... I mean, empathy, and I think he also talked about, like, you have to have leaders 
that are ready to handle the new generation workforce. Like nobody wants to be micromanaged. Everybody wants to know that they have responsibility. I think you were going that way. Yeah, and another thing is that you want a leader that uh, has your back. Yeah, and that wants to um, that can empower you, and it's uh, allowed to make mistakes, and you're allowed to test out new things. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's a lot to s- within that area that I think is really interesting. Good stuff. And um, again, uh, speaking about interesting stuff, we obviously have a lot of interesting stuff for you guys. You know, the, the podcast, and that keeps coming. If you like it. You know, hit that five star or five suns or whatever it is. We'd love to, to, to get your feedback on it. And if you have ideas for future guests or topics that we should address, let us know. You, you know where to find us. But obviously, there's also the bigger programs. You know, we have uh, a big event season ahead of us here in the fall, Thomas, that maybe you can share some ideas on or thoughts on. Yeah, this is crazy. We're going to do three big digital events for the first time. So we have our flagship Sassius Digital event coming up we're going to bring some really exciting speakers there and hopefully some fun digital side activities and social events as well and if you have any ideas there what do you want to do i don't know play counter strike or i don't know <laughs> uh, what the youth are doing nowadays what about the youth what about people like me that are like <laughs> not the youth anymore I think we can figure something out uh, for you as well. It could be an online chess game or something. But uh, actually, that's that's pretty popular among the youth now. So, um, yeah, and it's not that social. We, we need to have something where you can meet a lot of people and do something together. I think that's that would be good. But anyway, um, besides the digital event, we have the, the Investor Day coming up and the Jobs Day. So that will be in November and December. And you will know more about that. And then also we're going to do some meetups across the Nordics as well. So stay tuned. Uh, If you're a company and you would like us to be at your office, you can reach out. I mean, it's um, yeah, we're always looking at someone to host. And um, yeah, you fix the drinks and the snacks we invite the community and then we just meet up and socialize and have some fun lots of fun lots of fun all right speaking of lots of fun thank you so much for listening and we hope we see you around in the next episode and other channels absolutely see you around bye bye